Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Today, our series brings us to the topic of worship. And so we've been in a series entitled Christian Growth 101. So just teaching the basics of Christianity. Um, And so we've tried to identify three or four that I feel like are important in how we do them and why we do them and then what we do with them. And so this is uh, intended to be a practical series Um, to where it doesn't just talk about why you're supposed to do something or what you're supposed to do, but also includes how to do it. Um, And one of the things that I have relayed really at the introduction of every lesson in this series is that a lot of times we hear Christianity taught to us as, well, this is uh, what you're supposed to do. This is why you're supposed to do it. But sometimes we don't always know how to do it. Um, And for us as millennials, and I know Gen Z um, also represented in the room, um, that sometimes we need that uh, almost Lego instruction book with life. Um, We're the generation that can learn something off of YouTube. We're the generation that can learn something uh, by just reading through a manual of one, two, three. But sometimes Christianity doesn't always work like that. And so what we want to do is really give... um, some step-by-step instructions, some of it just principles, some of it just suggestions that you can take and that you can apply to your Christian life. And so we've picked four different topics. The first one was Bible study. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. Last week was prayer. And today um, we find ourselves looking at the topic of worship. And so I want you to take your Bibles and turn to First Chronicles chapter number 16. First Chronicles chapter number 16. Um, I want to read, we won't read uh, really the whole passage, but I want you to just understand the context and then um, we'll look at really one verse and use it for our thoughts today. Uh, But the Bible says this in verse number seven. Then on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand uh, or into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. So this is David. He gives a psalm. So really, it starts in verse number eight. He says, "Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people, sing unto Him, sing psalms unto Him, talk ye of all His wondrous works, glory ye in His holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord." Seek the Lord in his strength, seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Israel, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God, his judgments are in all the earth. Be ye mindful always of his covenant. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. I want you to skip down and look at verse number 29. This is still continuing in the psalm. It goes all the way down to, I believe, verse 36. uh, And then it it continues the rest of the story. But verse number 29 is really what we want to focus on for today's topic. He says, Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. The glory due his name. Bring an offering, 
come before him, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I want to draw your attention to really two phrases in that verse. The first one at the beginning, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Can you read that out loud to give me uh, out loud together with me? Just that first phrase, ready begin. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. And then the last phrase, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Let's read that out loud together. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name and worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Let's pray and let's ask God to help us as we look at this topic of worship. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are a God who is worthy of our worship. Lord, not only are you worthy of it, but God, you've commanded it. It is due to you. And so may we be a group of people, a group of young adults, a group of Christians that we fulfill that. Lord, that we give you what you are due in our life. Lord, I know that there's many in this room that probably have a misconceived idea of worship. And Lord, I pray that you'd help them to change that today. Lord, I pray that there would be people in this room that would begin to establish uh, their routine of worship. And Lord, just the act of worshiping you at moments throughout their day and thanking you for who you are and what you've done. God, I ask that you would give us uh, wisdom as we look at this topic. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to turn it into something that it's not. Lord, something that uh, glorifies us, but Lord, it would truly be something that glorifies you. In your name we pray. Amen. Anytime we talk about worship, it's, uh, it has actually become a very convoluted topic in today's society. Uh, mainly because I, I think that sometimes as a church and as churches and as Christianity, we tend to use it for maybe something that it's not. Um, a worship service is what we have on Sundays, okay? That's what we have dubbed our Sunday morning services, and it is called a worship service. And I believe that if you attend church and you pay attention and your heart's right, that you can worship in that service. Um, but most of the time in today's society, and probably specifically with this generation, we have almost associated worship purely with with maybe a certain sound of music, purely with maybe a certain style of music. And so what we say is, well, this is worship. And by the way, I think that there is probably an element of worship that comes from only music, and so that I'm not, uh, I'm not avoiding that. But worship, at the end of the day and at the very root of it, is recognizing who God is. And I want to really give you a working definition of worship so that you understand this. Because if you think that worship is just about music, well then guess what? You're probably not going to be able to just turn on something on your iTunes in the middle of the day. Does that mean that you shouldn't worship God? No. If you think that worship is purely associated with the church service, then are you going to be able to worship throughout your week? No. But if you recognize worship as what it is biblically and how you are called to do it, then you will be able to worship really anywhere. You'll be able to worship your Creator. You'll be able to worship your God in the beauty of holiness and give the glory due unto His name. So here, let's just give a working definition of worship, okay? Worship is the attitude of your heart toward God for who He is and what He's done. I'll repeat it for you, okay? Worship is the attitude of your heart toward God for who He is and what He's done. 
And here's the reason why I say that. It is because if worship is truly associated with your heart, if worship is truly associated with your attitude toward God, then you can do that anywhere. And the reason why I give you that definition is, is this. That for some of you, the reason why you struggle with worshiping in a church service, the reason why you struggle worshiping maybe through music, the reason why you struggle worshiping when you come to God and read His Word, is not because you have lost feeling, is not because maybe something's going on in your life, it is simply this, it is because of your attitude toward God. We worship that which we elevate. And if you cannot worship God, it could very well be that it has nothing to do with a musical style, it has nothing to do with a church service, it has nothing to do with, with any of those things, it has to do with your heart and your attitude toward God. Because here's what I've found in my life, is that when my heart is right with God, my worship is right to God. When my heart is right with God, my worship is right to God. And I will be able to worship in some things that doesn't make sense. Some things that may not be my preference, okay? Some situations in my life that may not be right. You're able to worship God for who He is and what He's done simply because of your heart. And here's what I fear the most about maybe the people in this room that I love, but also this generation is that my fear is that we can read the Word of God and not worship the God of the Word. My fear is that we can sit in a church service and sing songs about God and never worship the God of those songs. That we can pray to a God who we want to change things, yet never worship Him when He does. And if you think that your Bible is going to come alive to you when you have a wrong perspective of God, you're mistaken. If you think that your prayer life is just going to come alive and yet you serve a small God in your mind, then you're mistaken. But if you can elevate God in your heart and in your life, and say, God, this is who you are. This is why I'm coming to you. God, you're great. God, you're marvelous. God, thank you for this. God, thank you for this moment. Lord, help me through this moment. Then all of a sudden you are praying to a God that you have elevated. You are reading about a God that you have elevated. You are singing about a God that you have elevated. Do you see how that changes your worship? Do you see how that changes your perspective? And so I really want to just give you five thoughts or five recommendations of how to worship. Now, when we talk about worship, I know that there's an element of it that is corporate worship. This applies. When we talk about worship, I know there's an element of it that is personal worship. These things also apply. So I don't want you to think, well, he's just talking about when we come to church. No, I'm not just talking about that. He's just talking about when I worship God privately. No, I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about both. And here's what I want you to grasp, okay? Your worship on Sunday morning is determined by your worship on Monday through Saturday. Sometimes what do we do? We, can, we can maybe come to church and it's just like, eh, well, it was, it was just church. It was okay. I did my part. I'm here. 
But when Monday through Saturday is jam-packed with God and worshiping Him and being thankful to Him, then all of a sudden Sunday comes to life. Because now I'm getting to walk into a room of people who have been on fire Monday through Saturday, and Sunday's just all of us getting to do it together. So your corporate worship is determined by your personal worship. So these are some suggestions for how to worship. First of all, worship reverently. Worship reverently. Now let me explain that. Sometimes we are guilty of making our worship to God somehow about us. Okay? I'll explain. But I want to repeat that. Sometimes we are guilty of making our worship to God somehow about us. Sometimes we only want to thank God and worship Him when? We've had a good week. Sometimes we only want to worship God and praise Him and thank Him through songs that we like. Sometimes we only want to worship and praise God in churches that fit our mold. Sometimes we only want to worship and praise God when He's done something good for us, maybe not when He's done something good for someone else. And true worship... If it is truly your attitude toward God, should be, God, I am going to worship you no matter what. God, I am going to praise you no matter what. I'm not going to make this about me. Sometimes we're even good of worshiping God publicly, but never worshiping Him privately. If the only worship you have displayed toward God in the last month, has been on social media, but you've never told him privately in prayer, you need to check yourself. If the only worship that you have given God has been in a church service, but then Monday through Saturday, you don't even live out the same person that you are on Sunday, then you need to reevaluate. And somehow we have bought into this cultural lie that worship is about us, when ultimately worship is about God. So worship God reverently, and this second one really goes hand in hand, but I'll show you the distinction in just a second. Worship selflessly. Worship selflessly. So if worship is truly about God, then guess what? That means that worship is not about us. If worship is truly about God, then that means that worship is not about us. He says in verse number 29, he says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Notice that none of those things have anything to do with you. It is you acting upon what you've seen in God. He says, give him glory due unto his name. You get a bill. What's it say? Amount due by whenever. And it has a date. Amount due and it gives a total. In your Christian life and as a child of God and even as a created human being of your creator, God is due your glory and your worship. The song we just sang, For thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure, they are and were created. It's Revelation 4.11, like we already said. You have been placed here to glorify God, which means... 
Don't take the good that God has done in your life and make it about you. Praise the Lord for this brand new car that I saved up for and that I raised the money for and that I worked hard for and that I hustled all day, every day, okay? Don't make the praise that you give to God still about you. Because then it is not about God, it is about you. Don't make your worship in a church service only about the things that make you feel good. Oh, that's good, Pastor. That's good. Amen, right there. And then as soon as he says something about fixing sin in your life, it's like, I don't want that. If worship is about God, then it's not about us, which means that there might be some sacrifices that we make. There might be an offering that we have to give. There might be glory that is due to God that we have taken. We might have to come before him humbly and say, God, I have been wrong. Please change me. Because true worship ultimately changes you. It doesn't change God. And if you miss that, then you will somehow make even what you are giving God still about you. So worship reverently, worship selflessly. Then thirdly was worship holy. Worship holy. He says this, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. There are some phrases in scripture that for whatever reason our minds can kind of attach to, don't they? We might not know the passage or the verse or, the, or where it's found, but we can remember a phrase. We actually used this as an illustration when we talked about, um, when we talked about joy at the beginning of our uh, series on, in Philippians. Sometimes we can just find those little phrases in Scripture to where it's like, oh, yeah, that, that is so good. That would look great on a coffee mug, right? And so that's what we do. And so something like this, we say, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And that just sounds like an Instagram post, doesn't it? Like maybe some flowers in the background or something like that, like the beauty of holiness. But when you actually think about what it means, it's, it's kind of scary, it should produce something in you. If he says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, I want you to think about this for just a second. Does it mean that unholy people cannot worship God? I don't think so. In fact, I don't think that that thought even lines up with Scripture. The Bible says that even the rocks would cry out to worship God, to worship Christ. Does it mean that unholy people cannot worship God? No. In fact, I think that sometimes God almost gets more praise out of someone who's living life unholy. And here's why. Because people can look at it and kind of have a red flag like, oh, don't need to do that. But he says the beauty of holiness. And here's what I think that that means, is that when God looks down on a life that is pure and holy and worshiping Him, that is beautiful to him. That is what he craves. That is something that he can look down upon and smile and say, that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to look. And sometimes here's what we're guilty of, me included. We're guilty of trying to give God worship. We're guilty of trying to give God praise in unholy ways. We're guilty of saying, God, you're due my praise, but it's not good enough for me to change my life. 
Oh yeah, I want to sing about you on Sunday, but I want to live how I want on Monday. I want, to, I want people to know that I'm a part of a church and I want to show up on Sunday, but really what I say and what I sing about and what I hear on Sunday is not going to dictate anything differently on Monday through Saturday. So my question is, if we're not worshiping holy, are we even worshiping? And here's what I would say. We are but it's the same as thought as, as, the, as number two. We're not worshiping God, we're worshiping ourself. I show up to church because of how it makes me look. I show up to church because of what it does for me. I show up to church because of who I get to be around. I show up to church because of, uh, of the appearance, or I show up to church because of whatever, the social status. I show up to church because of X, Y, Z, you name it. In that moment, we are not worshiping God. We have once again found a way to make our worship of God still about us. So worship reverently, worship selflessly, worship holy, and then thirdly, worship truthfully. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter number 4. John chapter number 4. I would encourage you to go back and read this on your own. We're going to pull out one verse but I would encourage you to go back and look at the story on your own. John chapter number 4, verse number 24. Let's set the context. In John chapter number 4, this is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. Okay, He's just shared with her the gospel. He's, he's explaining to her who he is. And then she, this is right before she accepts him as her Savior. And, she, and he makes the statement in verse number 24. He says, God is a spirit... And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He's saying this in response to her misconceived view of worship. She says, I thought that worship was only, could only occur in this geographic location. He says, God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay? It almost sounds like you shouldn't have to say it, but worship is spiritual, okay? Which means that if you come at worship and you come to worship God in a carnal, fleshly way, then chances are you're not really worshiping. You're definitely not worshiping, your, uh, worshiping God, you're worshiping yourself. So he says, she tells him, worship is attached to this one geographic location. How in the world am I... He says, God is a spirit, which means that a spirit is not, a, is not tied to a geographic location. God is a spirit. And those that worship him don't worship in a geographic location. Don't worship only when they're in an auditorium. Don't worship only in their personal time of prayer. Don't worship only with their certain kind of music. They worship him spiritually and truthfully, which means this. Don't tell God that you're one thing, all knowing that he knows that you're not. Oh, God, you're great. God, you're wonderful. God, you're good. And the next moment in your life when something hard or difficult comes along, man, God, I can't believe that you did this to me. God, I want to do more for you. And God gives you an opportunity. Well, not in that. Are you worshiping him truthfully? And here's what's funny about this. If there was ever something that doesn't make logical sense in our human minds and in our relationship with God, it is being dishonest with God. 
to think that we can worship the God who knows everything about us dishonestly is almost mind-boggling. Yet Jesus himself says that those that worship him worship in spirit and in truth. And then the last thought is this, and we'll be done. Worship consistently. Worship consistently. I want to really just take your knowledge of Scripture for just a second and put it to the test and then apply it to your personal life, okay? In 1 Chronicles chapter number 16, the passage that we just read, and I would once again encourage you to go back and read that on your own. David gives a psalm, okay? We have a book in the Bible called Psalms. And worship is really introduced to us in Scripture. If you read through your Bible from cover to cover, it's really introduced to us in the context of a nation, okay? Speaking of Israel. It's introduced to us in the context of people as a group. And I want you to take your knowledge of Scripture for just one minute, okay? What were the children of Israel commanded to do, and sometimes not even commanded to do, what did they exemplify often in their nation's history? In case you couldn't tell by the title of the lesson, it was worship, okay? Through a couple different means, okay? David would write a psalm. They would build an altar. You actually have scriptural inspired evidence of God doing something in their nation's history or, or maybe in, the, in that group of people and him commanding them and teaching them and telling them step by step how to build an altar, okay? What's the front of our church referred to? The altar. Since you guys answered the question simultaneously, what are you going to get married at? The altar. An altar is a place of worship. It is a moment where, listen, your attitude toward God for who He is and what He's done is manifested. And in fact, it's a physical thing. You guys will probably never forget the altar where you get married. You'll probably never forget the altar where you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You'll probably never forget the altar where you bowed your head and maybe you surrendered your heart to God. You'll never forget the altar, the place of prayer, the place of worship where God did something special in your life. So let me ask you, when was the last time you had one of those moments? Let's seriously think about it. That most of the first part of our Bible is about God telling this group of people, these Israelites, maybe even some of their early forefathers, this is what I want you to do. You go and you do it. Abraham, build an altar. Moses, build an altar. Joshua, build an altar. Do something that you can look back on consciously, physically, and say, right there, God did something. And if I had to guess from the people in this room, most of us don't have a moment like that 
in a long time. We just go day to day. We just, eh, yep. I'm not saying that today when, when the invitation starts that all of Cross Point better be down there praying or I'm going to be taking names. Like, eh, okay, well, we see that. No, here's what I'm saying. Is that for some of you, you've read God's word and never worshipped him. You've prayed and never worshipped him. You've sang in a church service and failed to worship him. And if this is one of the things to where we glorify the God who created us, don't you think we better get good at it? Don't you think we better make it something that happens frequently? That in the course of your week, when God does something, wouldn't it be nice for him to at least maybe get something, a little note on your phone that says, today on August 9th, 2020, God did this in my life. God spared my life. God saw, let me see an answer to prayer. God helped me with this. And for most of us, we can't even do that. So when was the last time that you said, God, this is a moment that I worshipped you? With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.